Hey everyone, we wanted to give you a little update on our next three episodes. We recorded these episodes prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and some of the topics may feel less relevant to the current music industry. While mentions of live shows or tour booking may not feel super helpful right now, all of these episodes have awesome info for the independent artist. We hope that in a time of frustration in the music industry, that you will feel inspired by the positive attitude that our guests bring to the table. Hey guys, it's Allie, and I'm so excited to introduce our next guests, Seth and Justin from Bailey Blues Management. They work with Donna Missile, The Midnight, Your Smith, and Kay Flay, and as you'll hear, they're true class acts. We recorded this episode over Tectonic Coffee at their office in late 2019 and had no idea about the year that was headed towards us. We hope you listen and enjoy. Come to our office. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming. <laughs> Of course. Taking the time. Listen, we're happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just exchange pleasantries now that the Until we die. now that the, uh, the the computer's rolling. So. Yeah. Pressure's really on, guys. And, uh, we do have coffee here. I know. I might, a carafe if you want it. It's delicious. What kind of coffee is it? <laughs> Gosh, I can't wait. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> it's tectonic coffee. Mm-hmm. It's uh, locally roasted, shade grown, eco-friendly. They're right around the corner from me, actually. Are they? Yeah, what? they're somewhere around here. Is there a specific tree that... Like provides the shade. <laughs> I love the idea that Steven Tyler is working for the coffee company and harvesting the beans. I think it's pretty possible. He has nothing else to do. Well, Lenny Kravitz lives on a, a coffee farm. In the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. He owns an island. He owns an island. Jason Mraz owns an avocado farm. So. That's Sorry, it's just the, so Jason Mraz. Goal. <laughs> right. Produce. Produce. That's why we're here. That's why we're and in, this in the industry. produce market. It's true. <laughs> that, I would think that would never happen. That's, that's, that's why we do music. Yeah. That's for the produce. <laughs> produce wasn't our thing. And so we can move yeah. to a farm and never talk to anybody again. Yeah. That's yeah. the whole point. You learn to really like people in this industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You learn patience and understanding. That is, that is true, Leaving. actually. I mean, you have to uh, you have to deal with so many different types of personalities, you know. And mm-hmm. for us as managers, especially, like you know, your your headspace has to change pretty quickly from talking to like somebody in the industry to talking to an artist because everybody has different go- or you know similar goals but different ways of getting there potentially, and like different things are important to different people and all that kind of stuff. So it is like good for that purpose of uh, you know being being able to yeah I, I, I can't find the words now those were really good words those were good words uh, solid words so we're warming up. We're yeah, yeah. Okay. we're all warming yeah. up. This tectonic coffee is going to kick in. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to lift a house. <laughs> but this does make a good segue into yeah. kind of walking us through your day-to-day responsibilities and like what you guys do as managers. Yeah, I mean, I think that the crux of what we do, or at its core, is as managers, for me at least, is sitting. With our artists and, and really being their um, their partner on every creative, professional, and a lot of times even personal decision making, you know, being just part of that process and helping them build that roadmap for whatever they want to achieve, you know, and sometimes those things intersect what they want creatively, business, and in their personal lives, and sometimes those are negotiations, sacrifice in one area, you know, to maybe achieve something in another, so. Is that vague enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not vague enough. Yeah, it's yeah, not right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's helping, you know, it's it's hopefully bringing um, experience, uh, sensibilities, and instincts from our side uh, to help them kind of navigate 
their careers, which, you know, we are in an industry where um, there's not a lot of separation between your career and your life, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, which is a really exciting thing, but also <laughs> pretty nerve wracking at times and sure. pretty all encompassing. So yeah. we don't, I kind of like to say that we don't have a job description, you know, um, in a lot of ways, but you know, at its core, I guess we are really, uh, you know, the business end of a creative entity and able to, um, you know, strategize and execute the creative art, uh, creative vision of an artist. And a lot of times, um, you know, work kind of symbiotically with artists um, to help them achieve those goals and stuff like that. So that's super vague. So when yeah. you say you have no job description, but you I, I guess our, our not not no job description. <laughs> our, our job sort of knows, you know, there's not a lot of like, well, that's not what we do. Kind of, right. you know, there's not a lot of those things that come up because it's you know everything from negotiating a record deal bringing in brand sponsorships uh you know running executing marketing campaigns strategizing on that stuff to like getting a phone call because somebody got the wrong type of hummus or you, oh, you know yeah, yeah, and um which you know we're pretty good about our <laughs> no hummus, yeah. hummus on well, our well they make chocolate hummus i about to say there is chocolate, chocolate hummus. Yeah. Yeah. it's an abomination yeah yeah, wow. that's a, I mean, I'm a chocolate man, but I don't, that sounds that's like, the they crossed thing. the line. Yeah. No, they did. not meant to be at all. Yeah. <laughs> they started a war. You can, you can mix sweet and savory. It's okay, right? Just not that time. You can do not, tahini and chocolate? I don't know I don't about know. that. No. I, yeah, <laughs> there's some things that just weren't meant to be together. You know, dogs yeah. and cats, chocolate and hummus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so profound. Try, trying, trying. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, on a daily basis, it's it, it it really changes every day. I mean, you know, most days we're on the phone pretty constantly and trying to dig out of our inbox and, um, you know, the day to day changes depending on what clients are you know, active and busy at the time, sure. um, you know, uh, and our, you know, mine and Seth's day-to-day, -day, even though we do the same thing, is really different. Yeah, you know? so that's can, cool. could you maybe each walk us through, like, what a hypothetical day is? Not a real one. Yeah, yeah well, it starts. <laughs> <laughs> the names have been changed to right. protect the innocent. No, that's yeah. totally fine. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it pretty much every day starts with whatever to-do list was in place getting just burned up as, you know, I don't know, kind of unpredictable emergencies, heavy quotes, emergencies, or, you know, <laughs> big fires to put out kind of start. So um, it's, it, I think the challenge is, yeah, being able to get through the things you have to get through while dealing with, uh, you know, you have creatives, on on the road or making a record and things you know don't always go as planned and uh dealing with yeah unanticipated hiccups is like that's mm. that's part of every day um so so show. like you're talking to artists who are on the road sure so like you know today oh. <laughs> hi rosie we love a good dog there's a dog here she's got a dog no. what's this dog's name rosie i rosie. love you oh you know, so you could start a day with a to-do list of, you know, I'm gonna make these phone calls in the morning, I need to look at this deal, I need to call this lawyer to negotiate this piece, mm -hmm. and then, you know, before your day's even started, you get a call that there's a snowstorm and the band can't get from A to B, so maybe you have to cancel a show, or maybe you have to reroute things, and, um, yeah, everything gets uprooted it's not always bad sometimes there's positive like oh this big offer came in but the mm -hmm. artist now needs to go to a different city than they were planning on so let's right. jump in with the tour manager and the production people and see if we can we can make it all happen you know so there's it's not yeah it's, it's not like trying to bad put, it's yeah. like trying to put together a puzzle every day but then there's like five new pieces that you're trying to figure out oh. how to fit you know yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly that. We're sort of, you know, <clears throat> it, 
one part of our job is being the sort of hub of communication between the entire industry and the artist. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I don't think that that's a. It, there's no sort of like egotistical thing that everything has to come through us or anything right. like that. But we really are here to sort of be that necessary middleman between, you know, an artist or creative and their record label, their publisher, their merch company, their their touring crew in a lot of ways, you know, mm -hmm. um, all that stuff, promoters, agents, yeah. uh, everything else, and, and we are the, the, the puzzle master. Please don't, <laughs> please don't, please don't use that. We are going to call this episode please, Puzzle Master. Please <laughs> oh no. Well, oh, it sounds no. like you have to think on your feet a lot, and that's maybe like your greatest role in the job. Yeah, I think it's really important to be agile, you know, and um, the ability to make decisions relatively quickly before mm. an opportunity might pass you by. You right. know, um, I've seen that happen a lot where you get this kind of like paralysis by analysis. And I mean, look, it's really important to look at everything good and bad from all angles and come up with the best solution. Right. Um, but it's also important to sort of capitalize on the opportunities as they're coming in. So there's this delicate balance that you have to, that you have to, you know, toe that line. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, that can be difficult at times, and you know, that changes. All those things change artist to artist too. I think that that's the most important thing is being adaptable to your client. Um, right, so there's no like one overarching strategy that you follow. I mean, I think like, that there's- Besides like world domination. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Clearly, uh, yeah. that's what we're doing over here. No, I mean, look, there's some, there's, there's uh, you know, basics or whatever, or best practices or, right. or things that we feel are um, applicable to, you know, maybe every artist, there's sort of industry accepted things out there, but then there's every creative person is different, their personality is different, their goals are different. You know, we have, I, I mean, I think that that's, that's kind of where we'd like to start with artists mm -hmm. is like, what is, what is your goal in, you know, your person, your personal life, your, you as an artist, um, like, where do you want to be in a year, five years? 10 years because we are here to help you guide your career right. and you know I think one thing that we do sort of feel like is one of the underpinnings of everybody that we work with is we work with artists that um, you know that, that we believe in and they believe in themselves that they're gonna have a career for a long time mm -hmm. um, you know and that might that might change like they might be a touring artist and that's how they make the majority of their money for X number of years and they might, you know, kind of uh, pivot into being primarily a songwriter or something like that or, um, you know, as, I mean, people, you know, sometimes like to come off the road and all that sort of stuff. Move so to Mill Valley. Move, move to Mill Valley. Valley. <laughs> yeah, for six months and, um, and then leave. And, uh, the library is really nice. I never went to the library. You missed an opportunity. Oh, man. It's incredible. I think you can go back. I, I mean, it's gone. I went to are the, you banned? No, no. I went to the 2 a.m. club a lot. That's but, sad. Uh, yeah, it was pretty sad, actually. Sad place. Um, so we got roofied. I got roofied there. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, what? I got roofied and had to go to the hospital. It was not good. Whoa. Um, yeah. Is the 2 a.m. club a bar? It's, it's a bar. A, it's the only bar. Oh, there aren't oh, it's like one of those bars in Marin. It's one of those bars that's like, it, Marin's a really wealthy yeah. place, yeah. you know, um, for the most part. But like, this was everybody from like, you know, the rich people to like townies and stuff like that. It could be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's your gym yeah. teacher. We used to joke that it was the faculty lounge. <laughs> <laughs> they had a pool table in there. That was fun. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, it, it really starts with with goals and being aligned on those things. And I think you know, part of our job is also to be realists about things, mm. you know, and um, and like be honest with our clients about what is realistic and what's not. And uh, you know, I think we do a pretty good job of that. Um, I think, I mean, for me, <clears throat> I was talking with one of our artists recently and everyone says like oh as an artist you know you're supposed to be vulnerable blah blah 
And she was like, yeah, the definition of vulnerable is to be susceptible to pain, right? Mm -hmm. So so I think on this side, um, and certainly on the people on the roster that I, you know, deal with more on a daily basis, it's providing like a safe, comfortable foundation for them to be able to kind of go through their decision-making process and creative process and knowing that that can change. You know, there's one artist that I think we celebrated getting out of her last record deal with like in and out and whiskey and then get it by the time she was ready to get a new, new record deal she was a sober vegan <laughs> which is a very different celebratory process but how you know how do we make sure it's it's a safe space and not that choosing to be vegetarian is a you know I'm <laughs> you're so vulnerable you just have to take uh, iron <laughs> right yeah <laughs> But I think, uh, yeah, making sure that they have the, yeah, the space and ability to, to, you know, they can change their minds. Certainly if we sit down and map out goals, we want to make sure we have, uh, you know, a detailed enough roadmap that we can make decisions. And certainly we interact with all these partners, whether it's agents or record labels or publishers, lawyers, accountants. We want to communicate the message properly to them, but, you know, also understand that an artist can change their mind and sometimes we need to kind of recalibrate. Right. Sure. So then speaking of your artists, Mm -hmm. um, like a lot of the people that you manage are emerging acts. So how did like, how do you find them or like, and how, Mm. what are some of the tools that you guys implement to like go from like, I don't know, 500 plays a month on Spotify to being able to tour? Trick question. Right. Gotcha. (laughs) I mean, the way that we, you know, I I think that we're we're like so we've been we've been working together officially for just about a year now. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Um, I worked for. A couple of different. Co- I've been in management for 15 years and worked for a couple of different companies. Um, and Seth, similarly, uh, not to speak for him, but I am. Uh, you know, worked for a couple of management companies and then started yeah, Bailey Blues. It's been 10 years. Almost, uh, yeah, like almost 10 years, years um, which is amazing. And uh, one of our artists was actually my intern. Well, like 12 years ago, which is pretty weird. Yeah, and and I didn't sign or accept it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, it, sorry, what were we talking about? Shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about developing oh, We're talking about, well, I was, I was going to say from a discovery perspective, I think that we, um, you know, by virtue of being in the business for a long time and, and kind of having these different paths and different set of contacts, we really rely on our network. Um, you know, whether that's an agent, a record label, a lawyer, or something like that. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, booking agents are, you know, they can take on a lot more clients than managers can. So they're, they're a really good resource and we have a lot of, you know, a lot of close friends, a lot of good contacts in that world that are, you know, just asking us what we think of things and, and that sort of thing and, and new bands, emerging stuff, um, you know, I, it, like I know a lot of people that have a specific set of playlists on Spotify that they sort of look for emerging yeah. things on and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It's not something that we do yet, to be honest. Yeah, I would um, say that's not really our, yeah, our game yeah. in terms of the internet, like discovery on SoundCloud or any of that. I yeah. Think. I don't know. We understand that side of the business. Human relations. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And I think how does the internet work? Yeah. (laughs) I think for us, the live show—not that it has to be fully developed—but I've never signed anything. You probably haven't either. Without seeing the live show. Yeah, I don't think I ever would. I think we both. we both came up with a heavy touring background, working with touring artists. Seth, Seth worked at a, a big booking agency at CAA for a while, and um, you know I, I worked primarily in indie rock uh, for the for a long time. Um, and uh, 
they were always bands that made their livings on the road, so that's been something that's really important to us, and you know, continues to be all of our all of our artists. Artists, you know, we, we work with a couple producers too, but they're um, you know successful touring acts in their own right for wherever for wherever they're at. Um, they're all sort of at the point. They've all grown and 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 are kind of continuing to grow, which is important. I would say they also like over index or you know like relative to all the artists out there. I think our bands are worth more tickets on the road than people would anticipate based on their Spotify streams. You yeah, know, we're it. not really in the business of like let's get as many passive Spotify playlist things that don't really mean shit at the end of the day. Right. Um, Shade. Yeah. But we love them, Spotify thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he's right. I mean, you know, it's um, the, the Spotify monthly listener thing is a little bit of a red herring, and it's something that people put a lot of emphasis on, but we both feel, and I think a lot of people in the industry would agree with this based on conversations and stuff, but like the real measure of is something successful or, or you know, successful in quotes um, is ticket sales. And sure. that's, you know, it is way more lightweight to sort of click a button and listen to Spotify, sure. especially on a playlist or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. like, think about the, and it's hard for, you know, you guys are musicians, we're managers, we've done this stuff for a long time. Like, when we go to shows, it's usually because it's a friend or it's Same. it's a client yes. or whatever. <laughs> the you know? But like, if you think about from the fan perspective, it's like, even if you're paying 25 bucks a ticket, let's say it's a couple, that's $70 with fees, mm -hmm. you know, for two tickets yeah. and then drinks at the show. Yeah. Dinner maybe, Ubers. That's like a hundred. Huge investment. That's a hundred and fifty dollar night, and you have yeah. to get off your ass and go to a show and enjoy yourself for three hours, or not enjoy yourself, or whatever. But yeah. that takes a lot of effort, and you know we have a couple clients that are in that sort of theater size range um, where they're selling a couple thousand to three thousand tickets a night, which is incredible, and um, you know in, in in major markets and stuff all over the world, and that's to us like that is. Um, that's amazing. Like yeah, that, you know. And I take that over five million monthly listeners on Spotify. Right. You know. Sure. Um, but you know, the streaming thing is also—it's finally become, uh, you know, something that's really viable. Yeah. Uh, monetarily too. Sure. So, you know, you can't have one without the other necessarily. But, yeah. um, but I think getting back to the discovery process and what it's like to, for us taking on a new client, I, I think there's definitely live, I have to love the music, but I think there's an also an, everyone we work with is like some, someone we'd want to have over th for Thanksgiving or you know, there's a real personal connection. So I was just in Germany and a German promoter was like, I heard this song on... Spotify, and by the time I'd even listened to it, it was an 18 year old kid that had one song out. Like, every manager was trying to sign them, and every label was trying to yeah. sign it because it was, it was doing really well. And it's a great, it was a great song, but I'm just like, what are you signing? Like, sure. you know, into. Yeah. He's in high school. Yeah. And has one song. He signed a deal, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it does seem like everything's moving really quickly. So to base a signing on Spotify listens may not yeah. be like a good portrayal of yeah, how an we artist were, will We were having this market. conversation last night, actually, funnily enough. It's just come up a lot recently because there are, there's, you know, kind of, we're, we're in this age of really rapid growth um, uh, for, you know, just taking this one example of this kid with one song out and... You know, it's like growing like crazy on social media yeah. and growing like crazy on Spotify. And you have this algorithm that, you know, leads to virality or yeah. virality. And um, is that a word now? I don't know. It made, is I now. Just made it it's one? Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and that, uh, it, I, I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, like that's all exciting and and it, you know and amazing totally. and, and like wish 
him the best of luck in particular, but like at the end of the day, I think we just have to, we have to love the music and believe in the artist because right. we, we don't sign stuff and we've been really choosy about what we've signed, to be honest. Sure. Um, we don't sign stuff if it's like, oh, this is happening, all these people are like going crazy about it, there's this bidding war, blah, 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 blah. But what I, I think that we are always looking for is like, is this person gonna have a career in 10 years, you know, or sure. 20 years or whatever? I, I mean, that's, that's something when you're kind of in the trenches and so speak, like, that's kind of what matters and what gets you through because right. there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of really exciting things about this job. There's a lot of frustrating things about this job. 100%. And you have to believe in the, you know, the person that you're partnered with at the end of the day yeah. that they're going to kind of like, you know, keep going and stuff. So yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird time. And, um, I mean, it's good. It, it's changed drastically from, when we both started, you know, we, we both started at the time where record sales were very much falling off and, um, you know, downloads weren't that strong. Vinyl wasn't very strong at all. And now it is. And, you know, streaming didn't exist. So Jeez. I know, right. We're old. So <laughs> no, I mean, it's moved fast. No, it's moved super fast. <laughs> Thank you. It's moved super fast. But you know, at that point it was like the, the labels didn't necessarily know what to do in a lot of, in a lot of cases, yeah. you know? And, um, I mean, not that there weren't successes and stuff like that, but I think it's, uh, I, I think the rise of streaming has, you know, not only given independent artists like the ability to really do something before signing to a record label and getting a better deal and all this stuff but yeah. it's allowed more income and revenue streams into the business um, so those labels can go and reinvest it in marketing or new artists or whatever um, yeah. and so it, it's an it's a it's a weird time but it's a really exciting time too totally yeah. what do you think like I know a lot of artists now because there all, are all these other um, revenue streams that they don't necessarily need a label do you still think that that's like a, a important relationship for everybody to have or I think it just comes down to like with any partner not just label wise defining what the goals are like if you want to get into arenas right you know you or have your song on the radio that's very hard to do without a record label. Just, you know, the finances it takes to put into that stuff. You sure. know, you need a partner who's gonna invest um, and relationships and leverage to, to get there. But I think you can make a lot of money and cultural impact and all those sorts of things without one, certainly, you know? Yeah. So right. I think it's, yeah, it's really just about defining what the goals of the project are. So, what would be an example of like a very defined goal-setting situation? Just because yeah. you can say goals, but like, how defined are we talking? I mean, it, you know, they can be micro and macro. You know, I think we like to look at things in a macro way and say, "Cool, what are the goals in five years?" You know, are the goals to be touring arenas and you know having your song on the radio songs on the radio is it a number one record like they can be that macro and specific or mm -hmm. it can be micro too and being like I want to sell 2,500 tickets in Los Angeles you know or um, I want to uh, I want to score a video game or whatever you know yeah. it, it can be I mean, those are a few specific things, I guess. But I tend, uh, I tend to look at things in 18-month blocks. So, like, uh, we work with this woman named Donna Missile, who mm. signed to Harvest Records, which is part of Capital. And we've spent, uh, with her, kind of end of the summer, it really f seemed like there's an avenue to develop her career in Europe, primarily Germany. Um, over, I mean, not over, but in addition to the U.S., like, Germany's going to be a major focus, so sit with her and kind of talk about how much time she wants to spend on the road, 
sit with the label, talk about how much time they need her in Germany. Again, that's a negotiation between her personal and professional life and career goals. Right. And then we say, okay, we want to have a record at a certain time next year. Here's where we're going to map out singles. We're going to take three or four trips to Germany a year. This is what we're going to try to do, whether it's just promo or TV, you know, one trip, coming back and doing a first headline play, coming back and doing festivals. And ultimately, by the end of that 18-month block, we want to be selling you know, 1,500 tickets in Germany and, um, and have done, you know, these this number of promo things, you know, their equivalent of Saturday Night Live there, which is called Especta. Oh. Um, yeah, you know, so we have this list of things we want to accomplish, and and we're probably just going to tear it all down three months into it right. and rebuild, but at least, you know, we have that initial map to work off of. And I would say, for yeah, with every client, it's it's kind of the same, I don't know, year to 18 months. Yeah, plus. I mean, we're always kind of working anywhere from nine months to 18 months out on concrete stuff, whether it's booking shows or putting you know, putting down a release date for a record yeah. or singles or whatever, and just by the nature of, you know, whether it's creating content or getting stuff early enough for press or whatever, like that's kind of how far out we have to work. And the situation for booking shows these days, you know, it's like people have holds, you know, you, you put holds on a venue and then you're in line, so you can be first hold, second hold, third hold. Oh, right. And those are into 2021 at this yeah. point, and it's December of 2019. So, um, and, and much further out in some of the bigger venues, you know, like yeah. arenas and stuff like that are held two years ago. Yeah, you have to map around basketball teams yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you know, so. so, that's the, you're having to make decisions. I just had a band, um, you know, that just did two and a half straight months of touring this fall in the US and Europe and three days after they got home like we had to start making decisions about 2020 and they were just exactly about yeah. about yeah. the fall late fall 2020 and they're just exhausted and it's like the last thing that they want to think about but um, you know it's it's just necessary by the way the, the business works and stuff mm. so yeah I, I you know that's we look in, in those blocks are like the chunk that we'd refer to as an album cycle, which is roughly the same amount of time, um, you know, yeah, ish, um, depending on how things kind of go, you know, it can be a little shorter, it can be a little longer, you know, hopefully it, it is longer because you get more legs out of a record or whatever. Right. But again, like it might not be because you know, the artist has another record that they want to put out or another project that they want to move on to. I mean, we have a couple clients that have gotten into acting and, um, you know, that might dominate their schedule for a few months or whatever. So we have to push, push a record back and, um, or end a cycle early or whatever it might be. So. Cool. Um, I mean, it sounds like with the record release schedule, it's like a year or like a little more than a year. But what about with EPs? Because now people are only start or they're starting to make less records and do like a singles approach or an EP approach. I think, no, not that it's, we're super old school, but I think we really believe in, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, but I think we believe in the record as an art form. You know, that there's like, you can say something across the record that's, you know, more than you can say with a song and, you know, the, the artwork and there's just more thought that goes into it. And I think we really believe in that as an art form that, you know, the interesting thing about this time is people can decide and, you know, whether it's the streaming services or, or whatnot, you know, those things can decide for you in a certain way, whether something's going to be successful or not, so that that cycle can end very short, quickly if right. you know if it doesn't feel like uh, you're going to get traction there. So, but in terms of uh, you know, we we still we have people that put out EPs and we do those plans, and, and that's a great way to showcase a, a piece of what an artist does. But 
all of our artists too want to put out records. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that they all have something to say in their own way, and and that's, you know, not that it's the uh, the most impactful way to say it, but in in a lot of ways it is. Some people it's with a song, you know. I, I think. Um, it is a singles culture, and I think it has been for a while. And I think, especially with, you know, the rise of TikTok and stuff like that, it's it's <laughs> it's put a lot of emphasis on just the song, and um, which is totally fine, and and that's 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 great. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think we are, we're we're kind of weird in this way that like you know we're we sort of sit between this old school new school approach in a lot of ways. Like we're in our mid thirties and have been doing this for a while. Um, so we kind of learned from, you know, they're not much older than us, but, uh, you know, they're, the, the business has sort of changed yeah. in a lot of ways since we've been doing it. And, right. um, but it's important to kind of learn from both. I, I think the way that we probably both grew up is like, you know, going back to re like records were the thing. And when I think about my favorite artists and stuff, it's, it's usually it's a record not just a song and um and i yeah I, I think that this goes back to the artists that we choose to work with or choose to work with us like you know they um we want to work with people that kind of have that creative vision that they want to say something that's a little bigger than just a song and um, sure so then that goes back to the plane and the goals yeah that's what like singles and EPs that kind of just aren't happening. Yeah, well, I mean, like in this house. No, no, they are for sure. <laughs> we have, I, I mean, it, but it is in in the um, in the context of a larger plan sure. of putting a record out at some point. You know, what yeah, I mean? it, it it can be a part of a cycle. Um, I mean, it's always part of a, singles are are always part of a cycle. You know, um, but. And, and EPs in a lot of ways, too. I mean, I think almost all of our artists have put out an EP at some point, at least, right? At least one. Yeah, Donna hasn't really, but right. yeah, everyone else. Yeah, and, and those can be... I mean, I have a client that put... We didn't call it an EP, but it, by definition, was an EP, sure. um, which is less than 25 minutes of music, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they, you know that wasn't sort of contextualized in a larger album cycle, that was the cycle, was on an EP, but that was because those were all the songs that they had for that particular theme for that EP, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? No, but I think like singles and one-offs and features and remixes, like there's like there's examples of like great pieces of art in those and, and we do those, uh, you know, with three people working on things for movies that right now that would all be one-off songs and those are really exciting um you know pieces so it's not to downplay any of that yeah. stuff like there's right. a time and place for that but in, in terms of you know doing this big campaign for <laughs> for a single we don't we don't want the artist to live or die by the single i guess yeah. you know that's that's what it comes down to because yeah yeah that's really that's um, I think like there's a lot of mixers, like producers, artists, uh, like well, especially obviously indie artists, but that think that they would just like cross the next threshold in their career if they had a manager. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess one of our questions was like, obviously, like a manager shouldn't make or break your career, but. A good manager can make your career, and a bad manager can break, break it. your career. <laughs> right, so, it's right. like so um, what what do you think are like the most important things that like creatives should be like working on right now? I mean, I think that you know we're in a really exciting time for. I like the optimism. I, yeah, I, I, I am optimistic. <laughs> it's amazing that I am after everything that's happened in this business <laughs> no it's it's good i mean look this we we've chosen this life for a reason i think that there's uh there's a lot um sort of easier ways to make money uh in life but there's uh that coffee 
<laughs> just pouring the cup. It's like, it sounds, <laughs> um, it sounds really nice. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Can I pour it in here? Is I, it gonna burn? I mean, it's like, it's okay. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll wait till that's over. It's a really nice sound. I'm going to yeah. take this as an opportunity yeah, to get cream okay. as well. Relax. Um, you know, I think there's a lot easier ways to make money in the world, but there's very few at least in my mind, that are um, quite as satisfying um, or uh, fulfilling as, as doing this. Um, and uh, I lost my train of thought. So oh, we're talking about kind of how artists should be focusing or what things they should be focusing oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah, in so order to position themselves for management. That's and right. is the management even... Always Let me kind of go back to the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Do you want cream? <laughs> um, sure. I just busted into this. Sorry. I think on the, for me, the, the management partnership is that relationship with an artist is by far the most intimate, you know? Yeah. And you experience all the highs and lows together, which there are a lot. So I think for an artist just thinking that they need a manager, um, it's good to have someone on your team. But I think, you know, for me, everything goes back to like goal defining, you know, and I think there's managers that are incredibly good at being aggressive and kicking the shit out of people and getting the most <laughs> money for their artist. That's not like what, it's not either of us. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. not you either. Make no, no. Right. no. I, I think we're we're aggressive at the right time and yeah. know when to be aggressive. But you know, it's like we're not like just add ten percent to every offer every time it comes in, and that's that's you know that's yeah. what we do. But and there's artists that don't. I mean, for us, it's if we're gonna be in all the highs and lows with an artist, it's gotta feel like a little bit familial. Mm. You know, so that's. I think everyone that we work with, that's part of their, they want to be in business with someone that, yeah. you know, they have that kind of relationship um, where, you know, other artists might just be like, call me when there's an offer or, you know. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, I also think, you know, we're in a time where there are so many resources available to independent artists um, from distribution, promotion, um, all that stuff. I mean, it's kind of hard to like really get on the road without an agent. Um, okay. You know, I, you can go book your own tours and stuff like that. It's sort of TBD on how successful that's going to be, or I mean, TBD on how successful it's going to be with an agent too. But right. um, I guess my point being that there's so much stuff that artists can do on their own these days to right. get to a certain level. And I've kind of, you know, there's there's a fine line between you know, signing with a manager super early to help help things move along to like doing the most you can do by yourself until you need someone else right. to kind of help, you know? And, and I think that that does a couple of things for the artists that are really important and, and something that I always kind of stress to, to my clients, which is like, you should know, you should try to know as much about this stuff as I do. And, you know, I, and like challenge, we welcome, you know, our clients to kind of challenge us on stuff because this is, you know, it's a conversation. It's not us kind of like saying, this is what you have to do. And, you know, it's important for them to recognize the value of what they're doing because, you know, I mean, you, Seth had to, I remember earlier, a couple months ago, like had to do like a less than 24 hour trip to Berlin for somebody. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't because the, the artist was making a bunch of money or anything like that. It was because, you know, it was a big promo opportunity and it was important that, you know, in, in cases like that, that the artist understands, like, what am I doing this for? Um, you know, because right. it can, it gets tough out there yeah. <laughs> and it gets tough five shows in a row on tour and, you know, you're away from your family and your friends and all that stuff. And there's a, you know, they need to understand what the value of things are, whether it's monetary, whether it's promotional, whether it's, you know, that it's all sort of going into advance their career or, you know, it's the, the next domino that needs to fall to get the next thing or sure. whatever it might be. I think there's a little bit of a misconception sometimes too that artists, when they are in a partnership, maybe this is a, 
something that other managers have put out there, but I feel like some people that I work with almost feel like, you know, like I'm, like they're answering to me, and I'm like, no, you're, like the artist is the boss, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. they're our bosses, right. and um, so that, anything can is a dialogue about you know where we're headed and what we want to accomplish you know but ultimately everything needs to start with the artist you know like one thing we have is like we can only run as fast as our artist is yeah. you know and yeah so yeah we're really here you know we are a service-based company we're we're here in service of the creatives and not the other way around um you know and i think that that's a really important thing to always remember and um, and you know that's kind of the people that we look to work with too so. I mean I love that you said that like an artist should know just as much as you do yeah that's like so refreshing because I, I think most of them don't <laughs> I mean yeah. it's an ongoing I mean look it's hard and, and, and it's not it's it, it, like we don't know everything about everything either. You yeah. know, our job is inherently to kind of like know know enough about a lot. And mm -hmm. um, because what we work on is so, you know, we could be in a typical day like routing a tour to vetting press to going over accounting to, yeah. you know, it's like we, we have such a multifaceted job, but it's, you know, it's important for artists to understand how all the pieces kind of fit right. together and, you know, and, and, and get it. And I, I would say that, you know, another part of our job is kind of that education process. You sure. know? Um, I don't, I don't think we have any clients that just blindly agree to do stuff. <laughs> like they're always, mm -hmm. you know, awesome. asking why and we kind of welcome, we, I mean, we, we certainly welcome that. Like that's, I, I think that that's really important because we want to work with artists that are sort of headstrong and, you know, and are controlling their own careers, um, you know, in in coordination with us. Like we're there to be that kind of backstop and um, and guide to help them with that stuff. So that's amazing. I'm going to say fuck yeah to that. Yeah, fuck yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, if you were to lay out kind of the most important points that artists should be aware of in terms of like kind of managing themselves or knowing as much as you do about the career trajectory, what would you think those are? It's like categories. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I think it's different for every artist, which is not uh, just a cop out. I just <laughs> I feel like. But I feel like there's people that nowadays, you know, can, you know, make money being independent, just making songs in their bedroom. Or, you know, we have a, a client who writes pretty much exclusively for film and television. Mm -hmm. And it just wakes up, gets a brief on whatever TV shows look, needs a, a song and writes it and has a really great success rate of landing. You know songs in film and television um and so his you know set of parameters is totally different from someone that you know just wants to be in playing live every night right you know so yeah i don't i don't know there's a good way to answer that other than kind of defining one's personal goals yeah and uh, yeah i think it always it always comes down to that because every every artist is different and, and what they want is different. I mean, I think understanding the rights around, you know, music, uh, publishing, music yeah, music rights in general, you know, and publishing and master side rights and stuff like that. And, and, you know, if you are an independent artist that's approached with a deal for something, whether that's, you know, whether that's publishing or a publishing admin deal or a record deal or anything else, like really understanding what, the scope of that is um, because, you know, a lot of artists, I mean, I've worked with several artists that have signed, you know, pretty, pretty rough kind of production deals early on in their careers because somebody was like, here's $10,000 and, or whatever the money is, or even if it's no money, it's just somebody promising to kind of help them in some way. And, you know, those work out sometimes, but uh, there's a lot of instances where, 
you know, we've had to get a lawyer to get them out of that deal or, yeah. or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And I'd say everyone on the roster, we've started the, at least on my side, we've started the relationship by getting them out of a bad deal. Oh, same, same, same totally. Yeah. yeah. No, you, you said that you were like, pride yourself on that. <laughs> How many deals you got fans out of? That's amazing. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, you, you know, there's, there's still, you know, there's unscrupulous people in every industry mm -hmm. and people looking to capitalize on things. And look, there's a lot of good people that sign production deals and have a lot of success with that stuff yeah. too. But I think, it, you know, it goes down, to the, it comes down to that education process and really understanding what, what you're signing, what length of time mm -hmm. that, that's involved for, like what right. happens, what happens next, yeah. you know, and, and that's, and that's across the board with anything. Um, you know, that's that's touring. Uh, you know, it's not about this show. It's about the next thing and and right. and the next thing and all that stuff because, uh, you know, this is a very, it's very fleeting. Like, you know, making ten thousand dollars on a show is 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 a very fleeting amount of money. Yeah. Um, and what you're trying to do is make money for the rest of your career. It's right. like that's mm -hmm. you know. You need a lot of those. Right. So I would say too, you know, one thing we were talking about this this morning a little bit as well. But you know, if you're an artist, really trying to do this, don't just hire your friend to yeah. do stuff. Like yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, it, right. someone's gonna, um, you know, with all the best intentions always, but it's gonna hold you back. Don't just hire the lawyer down the street that maybe did a music contract once, like it's it's gonna turn out bad, you know, and I feel like that happens a lot on the management side. No friend of yours. Oh, no yeah, friend we're talking about there's like. <laughs> we're calling the episode No Friend of Yours. Right. Or we're not calling it Puzzle Masters. <laughs> Maybe Puzzle Masters. We'll, we'll have to have an argument about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but there's amazing, creative, smart, talented people who know nothing about the business and a lot and there's zero barrier to entry so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah they can just show up and be like i'm managing this person i can't be like hey tomorrow i'm gonna be a dentist like that doesn't i know that's yeah. not how things work some sort of barrier there's no test. there's no like one path to being a man and, and that's cool like there's a lot and it goes back to seth's point that like different people are good at different things you know but like there's literally you know it's like oh this kid lived next to me in college and he's my manager yeah <laughs> and i'm just like even people with a level of superstardom we're battling this contract right now for a, someone who hasn't been paid royalties and you know there's a song with a hundred million plus streams and the paperwork was never done properly so that seems right yeah, yeah. that checks yeah. out so i would just <laughs> For, for young people, just really think about who you're bringing on to represent you, you know, as an okay. artist. But I would say, be friends with your manager. Yeah. Ah. You know, on the, on the converse side of that, it's the closest relationship that you'll have, you know, and that person is your advocate more so, or should be, you know, more so than your agent, your A&R person, your publisher, all that stuff. Like everybody else, you know, is there also to serve you, but, um, you know, your manager should be your sort of closest, most trusted relationship. Um, and, you know, you have to be uh, sort of um, confident and comfortable in that person representing you every day. and you know, the way that they represent you and their sensibilities and all of that stuff are are super, super important, so. Yeah, it really breaks my heart when an artist is like, oh, my manager sucks, because it's like, this is such a emotionally heavy journey, you know, for mm -hmm. people, and to, to not be in it with someone, and, you know, and also putting everything out there and having that representative as your liaison for whatever you're yeah. trying to say with your art to every other facet of the industry and think that that person sucks it's like yeah that's not it's not the friend vibe it's not no. good no. Yeah. No. yeah yeah that's that's amazing 
That's really good advice. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For all of this. Yeah, this has like been such like a, a rabbit hole. I said yeah. a lot of things I didn't expect. We're, you we're to. good at talking about <laughs> <laughs> rabbit holes. So I feel like I just ca like crashed your like nightcap recap after work. Like you like, have like, a drink and then talk about. We like right. talking philosophically about things. I think partially because like our you know we've known each other for since college, but. Our, our professional working together relationship is still young and um, you know we we both um, want to I, I think you know the reason that we started working together is um, a mutual respect of what each other had done and a trust in each other um, and similar sort of sensibilities moral values like mm -hmm. that that sort of thing and how to like grow a grow a business and grow careers of artists and stuff like that together um, but we end up talking philosophically about that stuff quite a bit so we, we took a, we both we had four artists on tour in Europe in October November and we both went over there for the entire the entire tour yeah, it's, it's, wow. it was insane but we took a couple of like uh, weekends and just talked about uh, company stuff which was really fun and, and ate a lot of cheese. Ate a lot of oh, cheese yeah. in Switzerland. So. Jealous, yeah. Um, but yeah. I so. mean, how has it been to grow, like, your relationship from going from, like, friends to business partners? That's a personal question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so nothing else was too personal, and I just, like, stepped on a wheel. We don't like line. to talk about this. Um, just kidding. No, it's good, because I think it's the core values are aligned, so we might not agree on every... Um, you know the the exact process, but at the the core, the you know, yeah. It's, it's yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I I for one really value Seth's uh, experience and and sensibilities on things, and you know, I think we've become good sounding boards for each other, mm -hmm. if nothing else. Um, sometimes you know, you need somebody to tell you that you're not crazy for thinking a certain way or whatever and it's nice to have somebody with a little bit of, per bit of perspective um, on something that you know he might not be as deeply sort of involved on, a, on, on one of my clients and same same for his there's been a few cases where he's been frustrated by something and I'm like just tell them to what blah 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 you know because yeah. I can yeah. because I don't have to be the one telling them that you know and um, but similarly similarly on on my clients too um, you know he has a perspective that I wouldn't have had and and I think that that's you know coming into this job and specifically here and working together it's like you can't have an ego and think that you know everything you know right. and that's um, you know you have to be confident and understand that you know the best thing or hopefully but sometimes you do need that kind of outside trusted perspective um, of somebody else and, and I think that that's always that's always a good thing you know so Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Well, guys, yeah. thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. I really appreciate having you. We have a little sign-off. You can participate mm. if you want. Uh, is it like yes. a hand clap thing? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the You guys want to be Steve together? Oh, man. Yeah. Do we have to be like, about, about, about? Yes. <laughs> uh, yep. Your, that's your choice. <laughs> now that we know that's okay. <laughs> I used to, you know, one of the first, uh, actually, not one of the first, but I, was, I, I, I vividly remember buying uh, Aerosmith Get a Grip. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, on the CD face, do you remember this? The CD, on the CD face was like, uh, five nipples, and it was oh, yeah, nipples yeah, yeah, yeah. of all the band members. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a time to be but alive! Those, I mean, that was like God. We were probably I don't know, like between twelve and thirteen mm -hmm. years old. Middle school, for a, sure. yeah, yeah, middle school when like crying, crazy, um, amazing, like all those videos. So you don't sound oh. like an Aerosmith fan at all. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call myself. A, I mean, I I do like some Aerosmith. Is it the nipples you like? Yeah, I got really really into it. But no, those you know we, that was the. I mean, that was like not the height. Probably like one of the heights of MTV, and um, and like those videos were just you couldn't escape them. 
you know, they were sure. huge. We didn't have TV on the farm, oh, unfortunately, sorry. but oh. yeah, <laughs> missed out on that. But I do listen to Janie's Got a Gun at least once a month. Uh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Sunday's 3 o'clock. Yeah, there's like an appointment. I think Pump is my favorite record, probably. Uh, Love in an Elevator, that's a good tune. Yeah. There's some good songs. There's a, there's a great YouTube video. They played Fenway. Yeah, they probably played Fenway multiple times, but there's a... Um, there's a video of him playing on top of the green monster on a, a white piano. Um, what's the song? It starts with piano. Damn. I don't want to miss a thing. Is it I don't want to miss no, a thing? No, it's not. It's an, old, it's an older song. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I can't remember. That's, a, that's our song. It would have been great. Send us the video. Yeah. Nice. Uh, don't want to miss a thing was it was written by Diane Warren. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't talk about that. Okay. This is our, this is our song, Don't Want to Miss a Thing. All right, what's the sign off? Let's okay. do it. So you just say, and I'm Steve. That's it. That's it. Is that a cue? Yeah. Go. I'm Allie. I'm Kat. And, and I'm Steve. Steve. <laughs>